0: Hey, folks, welcome to Office Hours with Dr. C. Uh, I appreciate you coming by. I am Dr. Gabriel Cruz, and I am joined in my office today with, uh, of course, my friend, uh, producer, and colleague, uh, Professor Barry Thornburg. And we are joined by a very special guest today, someone who can uh, testify firsthand that I do, in fact, teach. The efficiency of teaching is up for debate, but uh, Mr. Nahigian, if you would, introduce yourself.
1: Woo! My name is uh, Jack Nahigian. I was a former student of... uh, Dr. C, and it was a very wild ride. It was very fun. I'm a the proud leader of Gabe's Babes, uh, a Gabriel Cruz fan club, and uh, yeah, enthusiast in uh, popular culture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and for for uh, folks might think that that's a bit of a joke. There is merch. There's um, merch. And and when I made a TikTok about it, there were people who were like, "Can can we get a shirt?" Is that <laughs>
1: okay there's a market now okay there's
0: there's monetizing (laughs) options is what i'm saying um so okay (laughs) anyway so uh jack um yeah jack is joining us today because uh one i think it's great to have you know folks from all over the spectrum of uh interest when it comes to pop culture and um actually because you know previously we've had on folks that were uh experts in some capacity whether in the field or outside the field actually why don't you give a little bit of exposition about yourself and um why what your interest in pop culture is
1: i am not an expert in anything that is i i'm very i'm sorry for all you guys but my uh my interest (laughs) in uh popular culture well that's that's what i'm studying at at college is popular culture and media production so it's not just the production side but like the analytics of it as well and just Mm -hmm. diving into every single component that goes into what we listen to what we watch what we enjoy what we don't enjoy why is that the case and I think it all traces back to what we're going to be talking about today, which is Star Wars. That was Mm -hmm. when I was very little. I watched it religiously. Uh, Like when my dad showed it to me, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But then it was uh, like original trilogy box set. I stumbled across this other one that I thought was another movie, but in turn it was a bonus feature material dvd in which they talked about the making the creation of the original trilogy and it was you you would think that if a kid is told everything that he loves and cherishes is fake would be like terrible but it was like it was that obi-wan kenobi you've taken your first steps into a larger world it was the beginning of everything that's when i realized oh there's even more to what i thought there was there were it's the creature effects and like camera work and it was just the beginning of the rest of my life
0: yeah, and that's a really good point to get into so as you said, we'll be talking about Star Wars today and um, It is a culture. It's clearly a cultural phenomenon. I think that doesn't really bear repeating but um, Not just for its impact as a storytelling uh, narrative But also because of the things it did for like media production and, and stuff like that. Absolutely. I obviously am much more interested in the uh, Storytelling aspect, but that's mostly because I don't have a knack for media production um, Although I do have a, a great respect for the amount of work that went into it Especially things like you know, I think the Henson studio that helped with uh, the puppeteering oh, yeah. and things like that and um, if I'm not mistaken like the use of uh, modeling for for example uh, Empire Strikes Back and the use of at and that sort of thing um, and, and, and podcasts and, and, it, and, and podcasts yes how, thank you the grueling work it takes to okay are you jonesing for a raise, Barry? Continue. Is that what this is? Are you trying to like lobby for more compensation?
1: Uh, oh, I was, it was not self-referential at all. I don't know what you're talking about. I was just saying it's a craft and unto itself. We've own. been I, over
0: this. Our budget only allows for one bag of Doritos per week. All right. And
1: I only get it every two weeks. Listen,
0: <laughs> we're in a pandemic. I don't know if you know this. Uh, <laughs> things are tight. You got to tighten your belt loop. You got to make um, the sacrifices. Anyway, that's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah. So then let's talk about, you know, I actually want to share a little bit of a story. We, we joked a little bit about this before uh, we started recording, but uh, so you were in my public speaking class. Yes. Uh, that I taught was, which was a cohort of uh, media fellows um, at, at this institution. And the, and for those who are not familiar, media fellows is sort of like, I guess you would call it like a learning community yeah. uh, of people who are interested in going into media production of some sort. Some people are want to be writers. Some people want to be directors. Some people want to be, you know, producers. That kind of thing. Different aspects of uh, media storytelling, and the what was interesting about that is it was a very it was a very dynamic group of people. And I think it says a lot for the idea of learning communities. When I've taught learning communities before, this has usually been the case, right? It's usually folks who gel pretty well. I will say this: um, if not that, it's a competition. But if it were, you guys were probably on par, maybe a little above, but on par with a class I taught was that was a like theater learning community because those kids are wild (laughs) oh Um, yeah
1: oh yeah theater (laughs) kids are all out of
0: here i love theater kids my best friend's a theater kid i'm it's not barry i'm sorry um (laughs) (laughs) but so many revelations today uh but all the same anyway i say all that to say this all of y'all brought a lot of really in, in, interesting energy and approaches to very mundane uh, assignments, such as the introductory speech, right? Which you did with a whole orchestrated thing. Uh, you had introduction music. Um, you had uh, a, a impressive visual aid, all that sort of stuff. But you were talking about Star Wars and its importance on your life. And I want to just start with, a, as you alluded to before, its impression on your early life and because I think that's important to understand. We can talk about this stuff from a theoretical perspective and from the abstract perspective, but the lived experience is absolutely important because that's what gives this stuff meaning. Of course. So um, you started with the original trilogy. Yes. Right.
1: So yeah. I I believe it was the original trilogy and then but like like growing up as like a little, little kid, it was like obviously prequels were like awesome because it was like the the pinnacle of awesome lightsaber fights and everything. But, uh, it was definitely, hold on. I mean, just like the the impact in it was definitely through every single component of it. But I'd be remiss without talking about the music. The music Hmm. is so moving. And I, like John Williams, I believe is the greatest storyteller of all time. Like, like George Lucas had it there, but like the the push over the line the push miles past the line was through john williams music yesterday i went on a run and i was listening to the last crusade soundtrack and it was getting me through it like it's it's so intertwined with my moral compass and who i who i aspire to be and who i want to be it's just so deeply rooted into into who i am that's that's just star wars is i i Want to be Star Wars?
0: So then, <laughs> Jack, I'm, Jack, I'm more concerned. But I guess there's worse. There's absolutely worse exactly. role models um, than than Star Wars has a concept. <laughs> uh,
1: so I want to be the concept of Star
0: Wars. Okay, so let's start with the timeline here. How old were you when you watched the first three?
1: I was, I was like, it's again, it's it's so crazy. It's like synonymous where it's like I I. I don't remember a time before Star Wars. It was just so, like, off the bat, hit the ground running. But it was also, it was like, it was very broad at the moment. I remember watching, I might have been Empire Strikes Back for the first time with my dad, and I wasn't fully grasping a lot of the stuff. And, and one of the admirals is talking to Darth Vader, and he starts choking. And I'm like, what's happening? He's like, he's choking on a peanut. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so I just, like, went along with it. But it's, it's just, I... I, my love for it has just grown over the years, and I and that's just because of what Star Wars means. Star Wars means overcoming the odds. It's not only about family, but it is family. You have the ones you love to hang... You have the cousins that you love to hang out with. That's your Empire Strikes Back. That's your Return of the Jedi. But then you have, like, your weird uncle, and that's going to be Phantom Menace. You got to, like... <laughs> at the At the end of the day, you got to love your family, and it's like you got to celebrate the like beautifulness of it. Mm, Nice word. Um, or like, just like accept it for what it is. And so it's, it's interesting now because the, the prequels are getting this absolute like revamp where people are loving them due to like recent stuff coming out, such as like the, the clone war series or the bad Mm -hmm. batch. And, um, recently there was the, uh, making of the mandalorian where dave filoni just goes into like no these prequels are beautiful you just don't know why yet and so mm-hmm. they're just like diving into like the the technicality and the, and the beauty of it and now it's getting revered but then also you still have moments like i hate sand and it's like what's what's yeah. happening there yeah
0: yeah and i think that's a so that's an interesting point when I, when i was a kid i saw i i saw star wars proper when uh, they were re-released in theaters because of the prequels. Prequels were coming out, so ahead of that they re-released um, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi in theaters. But I, they were, Always in like the background because I hung around kids who watched them all the time, right? I remember being haunted by Salacious Crumb. <laughs> um, that was oh, my yeah. one. That was that was my one takeaway from Return of the Jedi when I would see snips and pieces here. At the Rancor, pff, whatever. Uh, the Sarlacc Pit, eh? Like Salacious,
1: um, just like there. He's got his long yeah, fingernails. Like
0: and I, yes, no, and then dovetail that at around, about the age that I watched Toy Story, and so the idea of small. Uh, small creatures (laughs) being like in a room with you and you not being aware and being, Oh my gosh, no. Um, (laughs) Anyway. So, so I saw the, the, it was the re-released like remastered versions that they did where like Jabba the Hutt is in a new hope when he's not in the original cut. Right. Uh, And that sort of thing. And so then they, did the prequels, right, and I was about the right age for that, and so I would've been around, I guess, 11 or 12 when the first one came out, uh, Phantom Menace, which I I really enjoyed Phantom Menace. Um, especially, like, seeing the pod race in a theater as a child Oh my, was I, 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 I
1: can't even imagine that. Like, just watching it, it as, like, yeah. a kid on the TV, but, like, in the theater, surrounded by, like, all these people that are experiencing it, too, and, like, just yeah. the sound of the Padres, oh.
0: hmm And so I have never recovered from uh, Qui-Gon Jin's death. Uh, even, even still, as a, as a, you know, twenty some years later, um, but you know, so those great cinematic moments and being able to see him in theaters was awesome. The, I will say, uh, Attack of the Clones is probably my least favorite Star Wars movie of all of them, including the the anthologies and tie ins, because I, but for the same reasons, like I hate I hate sand. Why? What? You're a good actor. Why? <laughs> why? Why are you saying it this way? Um, <laughs> I I my contention is with the prequels. Great plot points. Execution and lead something to be desired, but great, great plot points all the same. Um, but then you have the sequel trilogy, right? That comes along, and it's interesting because with the sequel trilogy, people were nostalgizing the prequels, forgetting that the prequels got no end of grief from yeah. top to bottom when they came out, right? People hated them because of Jar Jar Binks, or they hated that, like, uh. The, the acting in it or they hated, you know, different plot points or the midichlorians thing, right? The idea of introducing a science connection to the force yeah. and all that sort of stuff. We, we f- People will forget that um, the prequels were very much blasted at their time by, by quite a few folks, including critics. That being said, we are now in – we've had three generations, right, of Star Wars trilogies. Uh, and – do you think what what is your understanding of like the the role of these films uh, in our in our culture as like sort of touchstones and stuff like do we need do, do we need to keep making trilogies or 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 I don't know what what's your what's your idea
1: there's there's the the famous saying about the fandom surrounding these movies and it's nobody hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans oh yeah and it is it is all over the place but I mean, it's it's again it's 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 kind of giving it time as we've seen with the prequels and it's just looking at it what it is cuz i mean obviously the sequel trilogy wasn't as well received uh jj abrams recently came out and was like it could have been better if we had like a plan from the get go but like you're setting up stuff that you don't even know where it's going to be like fulfilled you don't know where to put emphasis mm-hmm. so it's i th- it's Important to remember what Star Wars is, which is it's about taking risks as well. Mm -hmm. So I think when you get like too formulaic, it does get washed down. And Rise of Skywalker, like many people saw it as like an easy cop-out. It was like a safe. You just bring in Palpatine again, and it's just like an easy cop-out. But again, like Star Wars The Force Awakens was my – was the first Star Wars movie that was like mine. Mm -hmm. I I obviously adore – and love the the prequels and the sequ- and the original trilogy, but like going to the theater for a Star Wars movie was mm-hmm. so amazing. It was it was like an out of body experience. I was like shaking at bits. I I cried so hard when Han mm-hmm. Solo died. That was I, that, that that was the most I ever cried in a movie. But then it just got topped out with Avengers End Game naturally, mm-hmm. but so. like it was just the atmosphere was just so beautiful and that's that's why i want to go into filmmaking is to create those moments for other people like me like anybody else that's just like wants to be enthralled in this world and of course the the world itself was unique at the time in the in the 1970s you have these sci-fi epics but they're all like these clean pristine very digital looking stuff but then you have star wars that's a lived in sci-fi world that's just like beaten to crap you got like droids with bad motivators like shooting up and it's just like so gritty and real but like that's what gives it the characteristics it's these fantastical ideas but like in this grungy world which is like what gives it its longevity is the is the timelessness and the hero's journey the bruce or joseph campbell's uh hero's journey that was like implemented into it which like started the whole idea of star wars is like known as like the hero with a thousand faces it's worked for generations it's been Mm -hmm. implemented into mythology into theology and it's there's a reason why it's been there for for decades is because or for since the beginning of time it's because it works and because there's always going to be something that you can get out of it and it's gonna stay around for years to come.
0: Sure. It, it, it draws on a lot of very prominent cultural, for lack of a better term, tropes, or perhaps touchstones that people are very familiar with. And so there's a lot of resonance there. And it was interesting, you were talking about, like, when Han died. I didn't... I got choked up a little bit at that, but I... I think there was one moment where I actually started to shed a tear, and that was because I'm, I'm a sucker for this moment in movies, and it happened during Endgame as well, when reinforcements arrive, and so when Maz Kanata's out uh, outpost is being destroyed, and then the X-wings fly in, and even just thinking about it, my skin <laughs> gets gets all all goosebumpy, oh. and I like I just like oh my god, this is amazing, um, and you know what was interesting about that is so. I I took my mom to go see um, Rise of Skywalker and she had not seen it. She saw the other movies or she saw the prequels. We saw the, we watched the originals together. I think she saw um, Force Awakens at home, but she didn't see, um, she didn't see uh, the last Jedi. So, but I, so I had to like catch up on all this kind of stuff. And so I took her and and my brother and sister to go see um, Rise of uh, Skywalker. And, she was every bit as engrossed in that movie as she was when she was a kid so good. in the 70s watching like Empire right or watching uh, uh, Return of uh, Return of the Jedi um, which Return of the Jedi is always my favorite it, it is because it's Luke with the green lightsaber I was going to say the, it, that, it just, green,
1: that, that reveal yeah. I, I would pay an obscene embarrassing amount of money to go mm-hmm. back and experience that in the theaters and just like He's like, you see like this dark figure, like going mm-hmm. in there. He's got like no lightsaber. You think his, his hand's gone. He's gone. But then the the whole setup, which also, we don't have enough time to get into it, but the entire plan to rescue Han is so convoluted. Like it's, it's unnecessarily it's, complicated. Oh, it's extremely complicated. Yeah. But like that yeah. reveal of the green lightsaber is again, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it it punches you back to childhood in the best way possible. Like regardless it, of your age.
0: It did, and, and and that's what it did for her. Certainly, especially seeing Billy D. Williams, who she like oh, loved as a, as a young kid, and you so seeing good. him on TV and stuff. And like, uh, it, although she almost got up and walked away when the they did the whole like Chewy fake death thing, because she was I, like, "I'm not, I'm not dealing with." I death. was heated. This, <laughs> I was
1: like, "I was like, there's no way, there is no way that they did an off screen death
0: to Chewbacca,"
1: mm-hmm. and I literally, yeah. I got livid too. Oh my gosh, yeah.
0: So the. Cultural touchstones there are embedded in this, a lot of it's, you know, really familiar storytelling, right? It's also very good, you know, familiar tropes, that kind of thing. But what's interesting is you bring up like Joseph Campbell. And what's important to remember about Joseph Campbell and his idea of like the hero of a thousand faces, or what's often referred to as the mono myth, is that there's always the qualifier that it's 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 a type of storytelling we've had for centuries, if not millennia, but it's not the only one. Yeah. And so when you get into, like, so for example, uh, Rogue One, which uses a different method of, of telling a story and has a very different uh, conflict resolution than, you know, all these other stories have. And people are like, well, I didn't like Rogue One because it was too, well, hold on now. It was just a different story. Yeah. It was not one, like, my favorite Lord of the Rings story is not the Lord of the Rings books or The Hobbit. Although I love them dearly, it's uh, The Children of Huron, which is a Greek tragedy uh, and involves, you know, a tragic ending to a to a heroic, you know, family. Um, but we won't get that on screen because it doesn't resonate quite as much. Exactly. And so I think that's a part of what keeps this so interesting and so new and so exciting, especially because science fiction or science fantasy, however we want to qualify this genre, is all about conceptualizing what could be. And so when you talk about it being so influential and so important, the same way that like Star Trek was for my uncles and for my grandfather, right? Being kids, watching this like futuristic representation of reality where there's all these different kinds of people who are unified under a common goal of, you know, exploration and stuff like that. And then with, you know, the, the great through line of Star Wars being uh, redemption, which I think is a, a really unders, uh, undersold point That especially that's why I loved uh, it it took me a little while to get around to it but I ended up loving uh, The Last Jedi because of Luke's arc Um, because you know as someone who is involved in studying the terrible things about the world it's easy to be jaded it's easy to be burnt out on things and so Getting to see that redemption that that renewal of hope that sort of thing was very empowering and very meaningful for for me And I'm excited to see what happens next uh, that being said I will say that the solo movie if we got the solo if we got the han solo of the last five minutes for like Three-quarters of the movie i'd have been fine see my, uh.
1: see my whole thing Okay, I honestly that is that is one of my greatest guilty pleasures is, is the solo movie because it's like it, it's a fun movie It's a fun movie. It's a I think yeah. john powell does the score Alden Anreich right. is, a, is a solid performance. He obviously got, like, so... That's, again, so much hate from, like, the entire internet. But, right. uh... It was, like... Proof that a story like that could exist is completely implemented in The Mandalorian. Like, mm-hmm. the, the solo crime, like... Like, man against, like, the rest of, like, everybody else. Like, those that story can exist, but it just got kind of like fluffed up and, and also like Donald Glover as Lando was just.
0: That was amazing.
1: Amazing, and we, need, and we need more of that. So I, yeah. I am a huge advocate for a solo too. Cause now you got, you got how he got the Falcon, how he met Chewie, how he got his blaster, all out of the way. So now you can go into the real stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, the rogue who's bad at being a rogue. Um, <laughs> He is, he is super charismatic, but he's, but, but not. And then he's, when he tries, he's not. Of course. And also to the point of the actor, like anyone comparing him to Harrison Ford, really, that's a problem with the person making the comparison and not with the man's acting because you, you know, at this point, Harrison Ford is just playing himself and that's iconic enough that you
1: don't. Yeah. He's the exact same character in every single movie, but like, he's absolutely renowned. He's just grizzled guy who doesn't want to be there.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, So yeah, so we're uh, running, it's amazing to believe that we're running out of time, but we are. Um, So just to conclude, uh, I think that, you know, when we talk about Star Wars as a cultural phenomenon, obviously it's not without its faults. Obviously it does have a lot of of, uh, problems related to even things like representation, uh, depictions of different ethnicities, particularly with the prequel uh, trilogy, um, and the lack of diversity in uh, in the sequels. It was better, Still, I mean, it's wild to think that you have uh, all these humans spread across all these gal- all these planets with all these different exposures to like sun levels <laughs> and stuff like that, but they're all they're basically they're the same general. They're,
1: they're all white British people,
0: they're, exactly right. Um, you, <laughs> and if you have uh, Latine folk in, in the uh, any of the properties, they're almost always some kind of drug ru- runner, like a spice dealer or something like that, or Poe, who was a spice runner. So again, there's things absolutely there to critique, um, but what I think is really important about this is that often progress is a series of problematic steps forward. And so using this as a, albeit problematic, but still very culturally relevant and pervasive and enjoyable touchstone, I think can do a lot for inspiring younger people. Like you said yourself at the beginning of this episode about how when you're a kid, and you're just in encapsulated in the wonder of it. And then that being a gateway to these other ideas about things like morality and justice and equality uh, and that sort of thing. So I don't know. That's what are your closing thoughts, if you would, Jack? It's
1: it's just a like it's such a blend of everything. It could be so deep if you want it to be deep, but it could also just be guys running around with a giant dog defeating bad guy. Sure. So it's just it's it's got layers to it and Again, I feel like that's why it has such a longevity. And you have like the like Eastern and Western cultures like influencing Mm -hmm. the the start of it with like Kurosawa films and all these like beautiful components to it. But again, at the end of the day, it's just it's a a movie that makes me feel good. And I and I it's every single time any single form of new Star Wars content comes out it''s, it's I'm, I'm back to being a kid and it's just a, I'm, I'm looking around my room right now and I literally have at least like a hundred things Star Wars just in my mm-hmm. view right now It's
0: mm-hmm.
1: so influential and it's so beautiful and it's just amazing
0: and and for whatever else, the idea of having a, a piece of media that just makes you feel good is worth a lot uh, is worth a lot in an environment where there's quite a few reasons to not feel good. So. exactly so we'll end it there uh, thank you Jack for coming on um, uh, Jack is there anywhere that people can find you on the social media uh,
1: if you guys do want to uh, DM me and we can debate Star Wars or gush over Star Wars or talk about anything really uh, you can follow me on Instagram at J-R-N-A-H-I-G-I-A-N that's J-R Nahigian and yeah
0: alright very cool and of course uh, folks can find me at uh, doctor dot underscore C on TikTok and G.A. Cruz PhD on Twitter as well as Instagram uh, and very. you can find me at my website thornburgmedia.com you could pretend to be happy damn it <laughs> I mean he's just been verbally
1: abused throughout the whole episode you can't blame no, him no
0: no 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 listen <laughs> this man off camera all right, let me tell you something. No, <laughs> no, no, no I'm kidding. Um, I'm yeah, just waiting for I'm my bag saying, of chips. I'm say, just saying. I'm
1: just saying. Get this man some Doritos. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>